Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers hosted by me, Patrick, or Padumaru in game, and always number one in our hearts, Hats on Lamps. How's it going, Hats? <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's going fine. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I, um, I am having actually a much better drafting week uh, this week than the start than last week, um, where... We've actually haven't recorded an episode for a little while now, and then last week we were going to record, and then um, Hats left me on the altar, all alone, <laughs> sitting on the couch in front of my computer, waiting. So I ended up uh, maybe getting a little too drunk on hard ciders, and then drafted a, a, a string of one threes. Um, I managed to string a bunch of one threes in a row, just getting angrier and angrier about the world. But um, but since then, I, t- I took a, a a week off from draft. Maybe not quite a week. I took a few days off from draft, and uh, have turned it around and have had a couple uh, a couple drafts since then that have been very successful. So so things are looking up. Oh, that's great. Uh, also, a valuable lesson: don't drink and draft. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> It impairs your judgment. <laughs> Those were some good decks too. It was just very. It was just uh, the the world had it out for me. Yeah, that's what it was. Three drafts, but it was pretty bad because I, um, in preparation for the podcast, I uh, I finished. I had a. I was five and one on a. I was five and one with a really great deck. But I was like, oh, we need to do a draft for the podcast. So I was like, let me just finish this draft. And I had two horrible losses. And that's, this was before we were theoretically going to record the podcast. So I started 0-2. Then I managed to do three 1-3 drafts in a row. Yeah. So I, I was about, I don't even know, one for a, I was like three for a million in games. So, uh, yeah, it spiraled pretty much out of control, but, um, but here we are. <laughs> here we are, finally recording episode 60 after three it's weeks. It's a new dawn. It's a new dawn. It's a yeah. new day. The Some world is burning around us. The world us. is burning around us, but draft's going okay. Yeah, but I got a, I got a 7-0 this week. I'm doing great. <laughs> cool. Uh, did we maybe skip ahead a little bit here? Oh, about how my draft week? You asked me how it was going. Yeah, yeah, just in general. You know, what yeah. was your oh, mood? In like? general, yeah, it's um, it was hot as heck outside today. Uh, that's true. Um, and um, harvested some vegetables. I tied up some tomatoes, and got ready to to record episode sixty. And uh, for those of you who are tuning for the first time, this is a draft focused podcast. We talk about draft talk about life we complain about hats standing me up uh we do a lot of things in this show um so this week we don't really have any specific thing we want to talk about i think um hats has done a complaint about draft i'm going to egg them on a little bit and we're we're, we're also going to do our typical draft content yeah that's a plan so uh, yeah, that's that's as far as we've got, and I've already made it through my first uh, bourbon on ice. So we'll see how this goes. Oh, that's nice. I should get the I should get my whiskey up. I got a bottle of Jameson around here somewhere. Wow. Should I not mention brands or? Is that... <laughs> no, I'm actually surprised you even drink cuts. 
I don't often. Uh, the, my my girlfriend and I during this time, uh, since the beginning of the uh, of, uh, since the beginning of the self isolation, have have made it a little informal tradi- tradition where we watch movies together and eat popcorn and drink whiskey. I don't know how that started, but it's what we've been doing, and so now it now when I'm at my place and she's at her place, uh, we'll watch something together on like Netflix party or something. Uh, and uh, sort of as part of the tradition, I'll mix some whiskey in with something, soda of some kind, uh, and drink that. And she'll have a chilled white wine. And we'll watch an episode of Nailed It Together. <laughs> in case you don't know what Nailed It is, uh, it's, a, it's a show, it's a cooking show, it's a baking show where they get three people who are not good at baking and then give them very sophisticated baking challenges and then they fail and that's the show it's hosted by nicole byer who is very funny (laughs) so that's uh oh do we need to talk about eternal at all we could just talk about anything else (laughs) not talk about eternal show i don't know we'll see we'll see all right our next topic is uh, how your draft week was. So, oh yeah, my draft week was okay actually. Uh, I I started since the format flipped, um, and the draft packs uh, it got all sort of turned upside down, and the uh, the rarities of cards got shifted around, and some commons are boosted now that weren't, and some commons are are not boosted that were. Uh, I have had a real tough time adjusting to it. I think that this is the most difficult draft format for me since I began drafting in Eternal. Uh, except for the time when I was just like, ah, what's going on? And just completely confused at the very beginning. Um, this has definitely been the worst struggle. Uh, I have have had some drafts where I've won or, or done well. Uh, and most of those have been where I've kind of uh, gone back to the old favorites, uh, like the Time Justice Fire uh, sort of relic-based decks where you recur Edge of Prophecy or um, like the decks with Book Club Yeti and uh, some flyers and some some big old relics that uh, go well with Book Club Yeti and flyers, that kind of thing. Um, those have been going better for me than trying to to draft anything new. But I think that my problems are are um, not shared by by everyone who drafts a lot. I think there's some people who who are doing fine in this format, or even better than they were in the last one, because uh, they're drafting like like uh, two faction aggro or something, and they're just doing really well with it. Uh, and that's fine. I've done well with two faction aggro in this format as well. It just feels very sort of difficult to draft consistently, so I don't always go for it. But um, Anyway, the upshot of all of this is is that uh, even though I've done, I'm, I'm doing fine as far as like ranking and how often I'm winning. Uh, it feels constantly like a struggle in a way that it hasn't before. So I'm not having as much fun with the game as I'm used to. So I've had to step back and only play when I really want to instead of uh, sort of as the habit that it was getting to be over the last couple of months. Uh, uh, use my gaming time on on other games that I might enjoy. Uh, break out the old the old VR helmet and see what's going on in VR gaming land and that kind of thing. <laughs> and only play Eternal when I'm really like enthusiastic about it. Uh, so that's where I'm at. You know, in the middle. 
and I, I guess we, I guess, uh, I guess we talked about how you're doing, Patrick, in the in the drafting world. Yeah, it was it's, it was kind of interesting. I, interesting for me because I started out really well in this format. I've been playing. I've been busy a lot busier now that the season's really started. So I usually, unless I'm stood up, can only manage like a draft a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started this format with you know two seven wins. Then I got two five wins, and then. I knew you were having less fun with the games and then I was started just getting, I had those like three really bad drafts in a row and I was like, man, I'm really feeling what Hats is saying about this format. And then I started doing well again. And, and so I'm really not sure how I feel about this format currently. And it is really interesting because I do feel like, like you were saying, some people are having a lot of success in this format consistently. And there are a lot of people saying like really positive things about this format. You know, like Argo Control was kind of talking about in this Discord, in Discord earlier today, I think, like how he's not doing great necessarily, but he feels like this format is really skill testing and that like gameplay really matters. Hmm. And I, I was like, I thought that was really interesting because it feels like there's so many broken, like two card combos or whatever in this format that like games can be really swingy or decided by cards that are out of your control. And it feels like there's not a ton of interaction. Yeah. Um, And so it was really interesting for me to hear like his opinion where he felt that, I mean, he wasn't specifically talking about that, but the the fact that those exist wasn't like a deterrent for his feeling like this was like a skill testing format. Yeah, that I agree with you. I, I it feels to me like there's a lot of games that come down to just like here's a threat that you can't possibly answer because the cards for it aren't really uh, common enough in the format for you to have even uh, been given access to them <laughs> um, and. Uh, because uh, I think a lot of the like my like when I started going through and looking at the changes that they made uh, to try to figure out why it was I was I was having difficulty, it came down to how they de-emphasized a lot of the answers in this format, uh, like the one card like ways of dealing with problems, um, but didn't pare back on the problems themselves, and so. In, in some cases made them worse. Like uh, Time right now has access to a huge number of giant units. Uh, like it, whether it's like the, the, the uncommons in set eight, like Waystone Gate and um, Victor's Feast that will make a giant, like an 8-8 giant, or just Wormstone, which makes a 7-7 for four power, uh, or... Uh, or just uh, what, what's what's the nickname for it? Beach Boy, uh, Power Breach Sentinel. Just, Beach uh, Boy. Yeah, Beach Boy. People are calling it, and because he looks like he's playing volleyball, uh, and he it, uh, uh, it's a five six for six, which isn't massive, but also every time it attacks, it ramps you, and it's like uh, it's a really it's quite a strong card. Um, and there's almost nothing that just deals with a large unit. Uh, it's like uh, it's it's. 
you sort of have to gang up on the thing. But then this is also the same format where they made everything, uh, all of the combat tricks boosted. So if you're playing Justice, you've got access to effective, cheap combat tricks. And so when you get attacked by... And uh, when you get attacked by an 8-8 or even a Power Breach Sentinel, um, and the only way that you can reasonably block it in your deck is by is by uh, gang blocking it with several of your units, um, and then you get blown out by a combat trick, sort of feels like you didn't have any realistic options. <laughs> <laughs> like, your your option was to hopefully get your giant unit out there before they did, and then... Uh, uh, and... and um, and that feels like luck of the draw rather than play skill. Uh, that's just one example of sort of the like c- because there's a lot of large time units and there's a lot of large uh, and there's a lot of cheap good combat tricks. It feels like that's a dynamic that comes up pretty often. Um, but there's a lot of stuff like that. Like there's no good answers for exalted because the only good silence effect now is rectifier. Um, there's like just a lot of stuff, the little things that sort of add up to a format that feels to me like there's a lot of really effective threats and not very many good answers to them. Um, so that's start that that's that started to grind me down. Uh, that doesn't mean that I don't sometimes win because sometimes I get the unstoppable threats and my opponent can't answer them, and then I win games. But it's not the way that I. It's not. It doesn't feel that great to win games that way. So. Um, like even when I'm winning, I'm not having that much fun. So, I guess the upshot of all this is that I'm kind of looking forward to a set of new cards, so I, I can at least be in explore mode again. Yeah, which should theoretically happen this month. Yeah, yeah, pretty soon. So, so that that will be cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I I agree because I feel like I'm having the most fun. I mean, maybe this is just like a tautology, but but I'm having the most fun when my opponents don't have like just a busted deck. And I think the format is really fun because there's when you're because you're there are a lot of powerful cards and you can both be doing like powerful things and trying to to like figure out how to best handle each other's powerful things and stuff. And that can be fun, but like there are still like a few too many games where it just feels totally like you had no chance to win. Yeah. Um, so I go, I've been, we were talking about this before we started recording, but I've been like really good at avoiding opponents with waystone gate. And that has actually made the format like more fun for me because yeah. it's like, yeah, it feels a lot better. Yeah haven't been doing as many busted things and then that that's when the gameplay has been the most fun for me um so uh, I, yeah so i don't know yeah what part of one of the things that had happened when i when i decided to uh take a couple of days off of eternal was that i had like in one draft i had come up against like some three opponents in a row that had played a waystone gate on three and because I wasn't playing the most hyper super aggro deck of all time, I wasn't able to like get like win the game before the eight eight took over completely, um, and it just sort of felt hopeless. I was like, well, I don't have a waystone gate in my deck, so I guess I can't guess I can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I and it's 
and Waystone Gate isn't uncommon, you know, like it feels like it shouldn't be that big a deal that it exists, but, um, and it's not like a constructed powerhouse or anything. So it still feels weird to, to, to say that it warps a format as much as it does, but it really does warp the format. It warps it to the point where, um, where if there isn't a way to kill an 8-8 with a single card, uh, offer like if you don't see that during your draft, you it feels like you're basically just rolling the dice on whether you're going to win most of your games. Because uh, if they can come up with that eight eight soon enough, then there's not there's really nothing realistic that you can do to overcome it. And they drew three cards on top of that with the same card. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird card. I because it feels bad as. I know this is a little weird to say, but like when you have a waystone gate in your deck too, and you're just like, oh, unfortunately, my opponent drew their waystone gate first. I guess I lose. Yeah. Um, and there's some like there's some skill to playing a waystone gate, right? Like it's not always correct to just like use it as many times as you can and bring it out very quickly, right? Like sometimes you want to establish the presence on the board and then use your waste on gate later and like maybe you don't need the power right away there's all there's a lot of little decisions with it it's not that it's not an interesting card it's that it it's it's that it warps the format around it even as an uncommon in an unpleasant way because like i mean when i stream and people see me drafting and there's a waste stone gate in a pack a lot of people will just say see a gate take a gate and there should never be a card where it's just like yes this is always the right pick <laughs> yeah Yeah, I agree. The other thing I do like about this format, though, is it does seem that they've managed to really open up the number of vi- viable strategies as well as, like, a lot, I think, many more faction combinations are now viable. I would agree with that, yeah. Um, I've I've drafted, and plus aggro is much more viable in general right now, which I think is good for a format. Uh, I like I was talking about uh, Rakano aggro and how it was probably playable now um, mm-hmm. because there's all of those cheap combat tricks and there's a lot of like effective little uh, small units that either have double damage or berserk and I've drafted that deck and it is very very good mm-hmm. <laughs> when it's open it's it's real good uh, the cards are definitely there for it. Um, and that just, it wasn't really possible to draft before the format flipped. So uh, I'm sort of happy that it exists and like Xenon is more interesting now. There's a lot of things to say that are good um, about the format as well. So yeah, I agree. And that's like, that's like how you balance a format too, right? Balance doesn't just mean that you have, um, that there's no overpowered cards. It means that there are a variety of strategies that are viable because they balance each other by the mere fact that you can do other things than just one best strategy. Um, so like the underdeveloping a viable strategy is, is one of the easiest ways to unbalance a draft format. Cause then, uh, um, then there's no point in doing anything but the top three or so archetypes. Um, and I do think that this format opened things up. I don't know if that overcomes the problems with the format, but yeah, I agree with you that that's that's true. Yeah, so I've been I've been actually having a lot of success with just like 
these two-color beatdown decks. I actually haven't drafted the Rokano deck yet. I've had two pretty successful Stone Scar decks, um, which have felt very good. Yeah. Yeah. What's the um, how does the how does the Aggro Stone Scar deck look now? Because we don't have uh, we don't have the we don't have the the three power shift uh, card anymore. That used to be the reason that you would get into Stone Scar Aggro, right? The um, do 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 the pickpocket or whatever. <laughs> no, not it's, the alley uh, guide. The alley guide. guide. Crooked alley guide. Yeah, yeah. We don't have crooked alley guide, which was sort of the the fuel behind the Stone Scar in the last format. Yeah, I think the it actually hasn't changed. Was alley guide? Before, was alley? I don't know. Maybe before this change. No, no, it wasn't. Like the not. I I say the last format, but I mean like the last entire set, I guess. Yeah, I guess what's weird to me is like as I was kind of talking about it, I was thinking about if anything in this latest switch really changed. And I kind of feel like it actually hasn't. It's just for some reason it's been more open. But we had talked, uh, you know, probably at least a month ago now, you know, about how we were having success with Stone Scar in the before the draft pack changes or switch mm-hmm. order switch and i feel like the same th- i'm having the same kind of success with the same kind of decks you know it's actually mostly involves playing the three cost two one quick draw weapon um and sort yeah. of <laughs> riding that to victory yeah for um, sure yeah, there's but, a lot of support for that thing. Like, because Switchblade Dead, I carries it really well, um, and there's a there's a handful of other cards that like have Deadly or whatever. Yeah, so I so I don't really like know specifically if there's like any cards that were added or changed that make it more viable than it was. Um, just that I've been having more a lot of luck with it. Yeah, I should try it out because I always used to like drafting Stone Scar, and for some reason I haven't. Uh, I don't know. Made it happen this in this format so far, but maybe the cards just weren't there, and it's just sort of a variance thing. Not sure. And I mean, this card goes well in Rokano too. But the one card that's really nice is they did add the um, the 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 three cost two two with double damage that you can shift to give another unit double damage. Yeah, they did marksman. Yeah. Yeah. So that. Yeah, it's an uncommon. That's that's always one of my favorite cards. Always been. It's just it, it feels like a very versatile card. Like you can sneak it in if your board is locked up at the very end by just sort of shifting it by itself, mm-hmm. um, and then it's delayed, but it might still get that last bit of damage in there, maybe coupled with a weapon or a, a spell on the land on turn that it's unblockable. Um, it comes down as essentially a four-two on turn three. Or else it makes one of your useless units able to attack again for a few turns. So yeah, it does a lot. Yeah, this was actually a a, a pack one pick one that came up for me uh, recently. Um, it was between uh, what is it, cover fire marksman, yeah. and a draw strength. Yeah, I mean, I would go for the marksman there usually. Um, I, th- I mean, draw. There's nothing wrong with draw strength, but. Um, I, I feel like having good quality units is where you want to start in a deck. Yeah, I agree. And But, you know, someone, um, Lauren on Discord mentioned, said that they would take draw strength. And yeah. I was, like, thinking about it, and I was like, uh, 
Well, if you're just talking about like damage output, draw strength is actually probably doing more, more damage for the killing. Like it has more reach for that like killing blow than marksman probably does. But I still kind of like marksman because it does have that dual role. Yeah, a little bit, and there's like there's marksman sort of has less of a blowout potential because you're doing the double damaging at slow speed compared to draw strength where you can like attack with three different units and the unblocked oh, sure. one you you draw oh, strength yeah uh for sure and it's not even that it's just for killing blows like sometimes you can uh sometimes you can be in a situation where they have to you know block one of your units with a couple of units and then you kill them all or whatever it is um and also it scales really well with what your opponent's doing there's a lot of great things about draw strength but it doesn't attack repeatedly. Like, they serve totally different functions. Yes. So, pack one, pick one, then it's a question of how powerful the card actually is. But I don't think it takes very long. I, I, like, only a few picks into the draft, you're going to start thinking, well, I'm going to definitely need to get more good units, or I'm going to need more reach. Um, and then it will hugely affect which one of those cards you want more. And so part of the reason I would take Marksman there over Draw Strength is the fact that there are so many uh that usually it's not hard to come up with a, a pump spell <laughs> yeah like I, you don't want to play nothing but pump spells in your deck uh you want to play a combination of, of guys that can do double damage and pump spells ideally and and there's fewer double damage units than there are pump spells right now oddly enough <laughs> yeah. exactly I, that's what i felt like i was like maybe even marksman is slightly less powerful but it is i think or it has a lower ceiling, but it is a, a, the more versatile card, in my opinion. Because yeah. at worst, it's at least a unit, as compared gonna, to draw I, strength, which is never a unit. I want to make a mental note to myself, because uh, um, Daring... What, oh, goodness, what what is the the card that, that gives Gambit? it exalted and kills no. it? No, it gives it, like, plus four, and then... Uh, and then exalted, and then the unit sacrifices itself. Reckless charge or something? Uh, dramatic exit. There it oh, is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it wasn't even close to what we were saying. Some of the same letters, though. Anyway, so dramatic exit, uh, yeah, which costs five. Uh, it's a spell. Give one of your units plus four strength and exalted, sacrifice it at the end of the turn. Kind of a weird card. But uh, you can use it on a unit that is, is emerging from shift because it has unblockable, and then the exalted weapon will also have unblockable. So, uh, if you use it with a cover fire marksman on the turn that it um, that it comes out from shift, for one thing, it's going to do twelve damage that turn. But then also it's going to make some it's going to give something else double damage plus four strength uh, at least and uh, and exalted. So that's probably going to end the game. Like that's a game ending combo. So uh, I'm not saying that this is low. Like maybe nobody's ever heard of it. I'm making this note to myself. To evaluate dramatic exit uh, as as though I have shift units in my deck when I see it because sometimes I forget that that's a thing uh, that is that wins games. Man, also, that, I haven't seen anybody do it in this format. Yeah, I've that, only heard that's legends. A, that's a fancy pants play right there. I it don't is. know about that. I, it's, it's a good play. <laughs> it ends the game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's only fancy in. In the in, a, in the most in the most brute force 
brute brute force spiked cudgel sort of way. I know. <laughs> well, you haven't won or lost the game by giving one of your units double damage for for three turns. Yeah. And then you haven't won the game by giving your double damage shifted unit plus four attack. No. No, there you need more. It's, so that's where dramatic exit comes in. It's really the next it's that next unblockable double damage attack that's I feel like that's how you have to win in this format, though, is by doing completely absurd things, because the normal things that you're trying to do are going to get blocked by all kinds of silliness. And, and if you want to really win a game, you've got to be able to do something that is absurdly hard to counter. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I guess I feel like I just lose all of those games, and I'm, like, really <laughs> relying... <laughs> On the games where my opponents aren't, like, doing that many very impressive things. Sure, which, sure. Which has happened a fair number of times, um, in contrast to what it sounds like your experience <laughs> is. No, well, I, I mean, I, uh, no, I mean, I'm not actually doing those things. I feel like I lose to those kinds of plays all the time, and so I want to, I don't want to say that those are bad plays, um... And that they're winning because, well, this is the one time in ten that they won. Because I feel like I lose to that kind of play fairly often. Not that specific one, but often. Uh, and uh, and I don't draft the kind of I don't draft those combos very very often because they tend to include cards that are unreliable, like dramatic exit. Like I I my experience with dramatic exit is having it in my hand and not having anything good to do with it but occasionally winning the game with it. And I don't usually like to play cards like that. I want to play cards that usually win me the game or like can I, where I can tell how they've contributed. Uh, that's not always how my opponents play against me, but they sometimes win with those strategies. And so I like to think that I'm missing something and it's something that I could learn to do rather mm -hmm. than sort of dismissing it as, well, they're just playing bad cards and they got lucky. Because uh, I don't think that's particularly productive. It might be true sometimes, but it's not necessarily... It's not necessarily improving my game, and clearly my game could be improved because I'm not doing as well as I normally do in draft. Uh, also, I should say I'm not doing like badly. <laughs> I'm still like I still ended up like top twenty last month, and so I shouldn't complain that I'm doing really badly in the format because obviously, according to the numbers, I'm doing fine. I just don't feel good. <laughs> so really, my complaints are just my like my mood. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> and I don't I like like I can't really give numbers to them. Um, I don't I yeah. I'm I'm a wealth of contradictions. If that yeah. there's anything that's true, it's that. Yeah. Well, for those of you who do who like giving numbers, mm -hmm. we do have a Patreon at Patreon.com/farmingeternal, where you can give us all the numbers, um, in Which... dollar dollar increments. <laughs> um, and if you do this you'll get access to our show notes and recording bloopers I say that I'm not maybe the most consistent about doing that I apologize for all actual patrons who actually look forward to those rewards I'm actually a horrible patron manager but despite all of that I really really appreciate everyone who despite all my failings, decides to support us on Patreon. It really helps motivate us to keep doing the show. Um, 
and it's probably the main reason we're still doing the show. So thank you, thank you very much. Um, and we'd like to say thank you specifically to everyone who does support the show. So Stephen R, Mercurio Blue, Abednego, Meagles, Madness, Titus and Blossom, Parmalee, Darth Herman II, Twin Hex, Cassandra, Jed the Homerad, Raven Dragon, Esrich0215, Sunblaze, Work Done Sun, and Yestout. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I agree with everything that Patrick said. You are great. Yes. Um, and then we're bringing back our listener of the week this week. Um, this one's a couple weeks old. I've been meaning to do this ever since we've been meaning to record episode 60. And I wanted to say, uh, give a shout out to Titus and Blossom. Uh, mainly because, well, one, they've been a patron for a really long time. So they're, uh, that's definitely a, a point in their favor. But also, every ECQ, Titus and Blossom is in chat just being an incredibly positive voice and influence for the Eternal community. I think he shows up in a lot of streams, too, and is just chatting with everyone, being very friendly, and being very positive about the game. And I think this is in contrast to a lot of what chat can devolve into, especially in the ECQs when you have, like, a 1,000 or 2,000 people and people just really enjoy complaining about the game and so he has actually made watching the ecqs a more positive experience for me by saying hello to everyone and being positive so thank you titus and blossom and i learned this last ecq his name is not titus that's just a handle uh, imagine that. <laughs> I know. I I don't even want to know. Next thing you're going to tell me, your name is not Hats, and I don't even want to know that. Yeah. <laughs> I won't tell you. I'll 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 let it be a mystery. Yeah. I think it might be a dog. His dog. I think he might have a dog named Titus and Blossom. <laughs> oh, like two dogs, one named Titus and one named Blossom. Yeah, I was. Together, I was they're kind of some contextual Titus clues yeah. based on his chat. Yeah chat messages with other people but uh hopefully he'll be able to confirm or deny this in discord okay but uh yeah, but yeah no, i was I'm, i think shocking, you're probably actually. right it's i don't a know great why guess. i was shocked yeah his name was not titus yeah i don't i don't no know his name should be titus <laughs> i don't know of anyone uh whose handle is the same as their name actually <laughs> 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 you're telling me Cassandra's name is not Cassandra no that's not a name that anyone has oh man um, you are blowing my blowing my mind tonight it's crazy let me tell you about this thing called the internet okay so now on to our next segment card of the week card what's of your the card week? of the week Katz? my card of the if week if that's is... your real name <laughs> uh, my card of the week is eviscerate uh, Eviscerate is, in case anyone's forgotten, is a spell that costs five shadow shadow. It says kill an enemy unit, and it has an onslaught ability, which means if one of your units has already attacked this turn, the enemy player discards the top five cards of their deck. Uh, this is my card of the week because of its absence in the current format. It is still technically a card that you can pick and play, uh, but it's a common that is has not been boosted. 
Um, so you'll see it very rarely compared to the other commons in the curated draft packs. And I want to talk about it because uh, it's related to what I was saying before about there not being very many answers to large time units. Um, uh, and that's partly because Eviscerate is, has been de-boosted. Uh, uh, Eviscerate uh, costs five. It's not an efficient answer to uh, anything. Um, but not having it in the format makes the format feel warped and strange because there should be something there should like if you want to be able to kill large units in a simple way there should be a card for that and a lot of times you'll go through a draft most drafts and not be offered it at all um and that's uh i, I and so it's a it's it's a question of how you design a format um and i think i have to talk about magic the gathering a little bit Magic the Gathering uh, has been designing their limited formats for a very long time with uh, a certain amount of formula to them. Like, they will come up with a few new mechanics for a new set. They'll staple that mechanic onto some, some common effects that pretty much every limited format has. Um, and, then, uh, and then, like, design... Uh, like the the rest of the cards around how they want that specific format to feel, but there's always like there's always a shadow common that costs four or five that kills basically any unit. There's always a cheap red spell that uh, I guess it would be black, not shadow in Magic. But there's always a cheap red spell that does a little damage. Um, there's always like a certain number of units of each size, um, and that can make a magic that can make Magic draft feel a little bit formulaic at times but also it does make the whole thing work and introduces a certain amount of inherent balance to each format and a little bit of consistency so uh even if even before you've gotten the hang of the new mechanics and stuff you still can draft the format without being totally like out to lunch and confused um and also but also it just means that there's answers to everything because they always print a certain number of answers to everything uh, according to policy. And because Eternal doesn't really do that, uh, it, formats like this one can feel really off to someone like me who wants to have answers to basically everything. Eviscerate is, uh, is a very rare card now. And the common attachment removal is almost absent completely. Um, I don't think there's anything uh, that's... I don't think there's any attachment removal that's been boosted. So you'll very rarely see stuff like Disjunction and Decay and Ruin. Um, and in a format where relics are still so powerful, relics and attachments, and there's so many large units, not having those answers is super weird. It just basically feels like a weird solitaire format more than it usually does to me. Um... And that's in a format with a ton of combat tricks, which usually make a format feel very interactive. Uh, but since there's no way to answer singles, like there's, since there's no way to answer single threats very effectively, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. There are ways of answering single threats effectively. It's just that they're very, very, very rare. Uh, then it kind of comes down to hoping that whatever silly thing your deck's trying to do happens before your opponent's silly thing happens. And and then and a lot of games come down to, well, they got down their killer threat. I'm going to hope to draw 
something that can possibly get me out of this. Um, and there's not a lot of back and forth in a typical game. And uh, to me, that I think that's one of the things that makes the format feel off to me. Yeah. And it comes down to Eviscerate, because no matter what happened uh, when Eviscerate was a boosted common, you could kill it. <laughs> you had a hope of drawing your Eviscerate and killing the thing. Um, yeah. But also having more silence would stop things like Exalted. And it's very important to be able to stop Exalted because one of the, like Exalted is is absurdly broken if it can go unanswered. And right now Rectifier is really the only uh, silence effect that, uh, that you're going to see in most drafts. Uh, so we've kind of gone from having too many silence effects to not having nearly enough. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think this is what a format feels like when you take all the answers out of it. And that's why it's been such a drag on my psyche. Um, uh, and that's me, you know, like that's uh, not everyone feels the same way about the format, like we've said. Uh, but I think I've pinned it down. Uh, it took a little while, but it's why I it's it feels like a little bit more of a chore than usual. Yeah, I think this is kind of one of the this is for me a symptom of one of Direwell's interesting choices of just like having draft packs in general. You know, this is sort of coming. I really started noticing this with, with um, in sealed league. A lot of people have been complaining because I guess the last few months, like the first week, has just been eight packs of Echoes of Eternity, and people were sort of complaining um, because, like Echoes of Eternity, the set, like you were saying, unlike Magic, it doesn't necessarily have like everything you're supposed to have quote-unquote yeah. supposed to have in a set in it and um direwolf is able to do that because they can make up for it in the draft packs which are a curated pack of cards so they can fill in holes for yeah. a draft that way yeah but like one of the problems with filling in holes with draft packs is if you change up the draft packs and forget to refill those holes yeah, they're they're now just holes. Yeah, that's and, exactly uh, how it feels. Yeah, and now that like in this last set, you know, this is the first time they've really done it this many times. But you know, they've changed up the draft packs, at least the boosted rate. You know, the boosted rates, I think, four or five times now. And so there's just like a lot more opportunity. You know, you get a lot more variety possible. I mean you know, possible variety that way. But it's also harder to make sure you're filling in all the holes. And I think that is one of, you know, one of the worries I had when they started doing the draft packs. And just in the way that draft in, in general is, where you're, you're, really, you're not drafting four of the same set, you're really drafting two and two. And so, and the you know the core sets don't always don't always hit all the notes and this has happened like in the in the last set where there was really no cheap fire removal spell you know yeah. the best you had was funeral pyre and so then if they change the draft packs to not also not have any you're suddenly you feel like you feel a big hole when drafting because like that's just something that magic based and draft 
environments or or games like sort of you know there's just like notes you're supposed to hit i guess yeah there's no there's a reason why the 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 magic formats ended up having those cards in them is it feels good to have uh it feels good to have certain types of cards in 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 the different in the five different colors to be able to answer different kinds of of threats you know uh like not having that cheap fire spell means that fire's whole identity of of throwing down like cheap but potentially dangerous units um and trying to win the game before their opponent can stabilize uh they don't have one of the main tools for that which is to be able to efficiently cast a spell that will get rid of a larger blocker um and they don't without that then it's like you got to find other ways to do it um and it's fine like you'll figure it out if you're a good drafter but it feels like the the simplest way to build a deck just isn't available um and so it doesn't feel like fire quite has the identity that you want it to i guess um and maybe that's just because i've played i've drafted magic and so it feels so that's like where i feel at home is when eternal feels the most like a good uh, magic format but I think it's more than that, and that those were good design decisions that got kind of encoded because Magic experimented and went through a lot of bad limited formats before they settled on what they have now. Um, and actually, I mean, I haven't drafted Magic in a couple of years, so they might have changed things up again. But there were quite a few formats in a row when I was playing that 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 each felt distinct, but also were like gave you all those basic tools. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, I was going to say that uh, that I, part of the reason why they don't print cards with similar um, with similar uh, functions as cards in other limited formats is that they don't want uh, like a whole glut of cards available that do the same thing for constructed. Um, and for a long time, expedition didn't exist and throne was the only format so if they printed a whole bunch of fire spells that did damage to the face then there would be people that would just put all of those in a deck and it would be just awful to play against so it makes sense from that perspective um and they so they just don't have the back catalog of similar cards uh so that they they can't both vary up a format and give us all of those tools because there aren't that many tools they're always going to put finest hour or whatever into the into the um like the the uh combat trick slot because until very recently it was the only card that did what it did <laughs> so it's kind of they're kind of they're kind of in a bind that way it's really hard for them to design a good limited format given the structure of eternal itself but um that doesn't change how it feels to play the format anyway what's your card of the week <laughs> yeah. yeah i kind of have actually two cards of the week Excellent. um my first one is to fit the theme of the theme of this episode and that is finest hour yeah which um it's just a card i for those of you who don't know um is the one justice fast spell and it gives a unit plus three plus three this turn and this card has felt, the, I feel like, even more miserable than usual to play against. I don't really know why, but it's just like in games where your opponent has justice and then every turn has one power open, it just there feels like there's 
literally nothing you can do because you're definitely getting they always have it and you're definitely getting blown out by finest hour or draw strength mm-hmm. and, and you have to uh, play differently around each of those cards and and since it's essentially impossible to tell which one they have and they're at exactly the same rarity uh yeah there's and they're a both lot boosted. of situations. They're both boosted. You'll see you're, they're very common, and so it's really hard to play around both of them. Yeah. And I don't know why Finest Hour has felt worse for me this format. Not worse than Draw Strength, but just like worse than I remember feeling about Finest Hour. Um, I don't know. I just like I feel like I've been blown out by this card a lot more than I remember being blown out by Finest Hour. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way about it. Um, yeah, you sort of sort of have to decide which one of your precious, precious units is going to get eaten by it, I guess. Like, the best that you can do most of the time is to, uh, like, at least uh, block so that you're trading one your unit for their unit, and then they're using their one-cost spell to kill your unit, uh, and they're not, like, wiping out your entire board. Like, you can right. play to that, and that's about as good as you can do. Uh, because it's it's an incredibly efficient way to turn a block into, like, you just losing your unit. Um, and there's not, really, there's not really anything you can do about it except put them on some kind of combat trick and try to minimize the damage. Um, but it's a very, very powerful card, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the... Yeah. It is it is interesting to me. I don't know if you have any theories about why combat tricks are... I guess just because there's so many fewer ways to blow people out at fast speed, but, like... Combat tricks are just so much better in Eternal than in Magic. You know, like Giant Growth, which is the same card, has been in, like, more recent Magic sets mm-hmm. and is, like, I don't play, I don't actually draft Magic sets, but, like, listening to podcasts, you know, they kind of talk about how Giant Growth is not a good card. And it's always surprising me because Finest Hour is, like, one of the best cards, yeah. one of the best commons in Eternal. Well, I think it comes back to what we're talking about, where the um, where the sort of standard answers that like sort of define a, a faction's identity um, should include fast speed removal for small units, mm-hmm. and doesn't. <laughs> like the counter to finest hour is that it should be a risk to to play it, you know. Like it yeah. should be a it, like it should be a risk to play it on something with two health because it might get charred and you might get blown out, but there's no risk to playing finest hour on a unit because char might as well not exist, and like char is, I think char is in the format but you're not going to see it very often. Yeah. Um, not having fast speed cheap fast speed cheap fire removal makes finest hour oppressive essentially. Yeah. I agree. Now on for my real card of the week, which is uh, Kemmo's Blueprint, which is the three justice justice um, slow spell, which oh. says draw a weapon of your choice from your deck, onslaught, give it plus one, plus one. And man, 
This card is just so much worse than Blade Crafter. <laughs> okay. It's just unbelievable. Uh-huh. I've I, I had a I had I've played this a couple times. I had one in my most recent deck where I had it and Blade Crafter in my deck to try to draw my Shugo hook sword. And I don't know, it's just this card just feels so bad to play. You're like doing nothing for three power. And then you really feel compelled to just like attack. And since you're in a creation deck, you probably don't have a lot of units. So you're probably losing your crappy unit to get plus one, plus one on your weapon, which you can't play that turn because you just spent three power to draw it. When Blade Crafter, you get to play a two, two, draw a weapon chump block and potentially saving the weapon yeah yeah that's the really good thing about bladecrafter is that uh you can just sort of keep it around on the board until you actually play the relic weapon and then it blocks for you yeah yeah and i guess the the reason i was thinking about it a little bit is i was wondering like is two power too cheap for that ability is it like a two power tutor a weapon that like seems too cheap, but then three power just seems too expensive to not be getting any sort of extra value from it. So it's like a, a weird thing. It's also a double influence requirement that seems maybe unnecessary. Yeah. You know, like there's Dragon Forge, which is three which is just like a better card all around, obviously. Yeah, in three many, costs, many ways, yeah draws a weapon at fast speed and it gets a minus one power reduction so it's essentially two cost right um yeah it ramps you to whatever that card is and then uh, having it at fast speed is is kind of huge too because then you can hold up like a combat trick or something but then just go get your weapon if yeah. you've got forge in hand uh, it's better, it, yeah. It's dramatically better, obviously. Yeah. Um, and they're they're the same rarity, right? They're both uncommons. He, is dragon? I don't actually know what. I think dragon forge is an uncommon. Yeah, I don't know. Plus, you can go get a dragon. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if dragon forge is uncommon or rare, but uh, I can't remember. I can't remember whether they're boosted. Or, I'm pretty sure Camo's blueprints is boosted right now, but I don't see them that often, so maybe not. Yeah, uh, yeah. I forget if it's this format; it's boosted. But either way, I give it a thumbs down. Okay. Just not have my seal of approval. That's fair. You hear that, Camo's blueprints? Do better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. On to our seven-win run breakdown. This is our long-standing data collection pro project where people send us their seven-win deck lists, and then we talk about it on the podcast. Uh, John Holio really does all the work by entering all the lists and then sending me a list of names about who sent in their deck lists. We haven't recorded in a million years. I haven't told John any of this. So this, this list of names is from three weeks ago. Um, everyone who has sent in a list since then your names are in there. You'll be in next week's show. Don't worry. I'm still going to read your name. It's going to take a half an hour because it's going to be three weeks worth of names. Well, you should just make me do that <laughs> as, as penance. But um, 
But if you're wondering why you sent in a deck this past week and I'm not reading your name, that's the reason. So our veteran contributors from three weeks ago are A-Boss, Agent Dynamo, Beard Broken, Celtic Guardian 7, Darth Herman 2, Disc Golf Dan, Gato Sujo, Handyman, Hats on Lamps, Jedi EJ, Jed the Hummer, to John Holio, Johnny D. Lowell, Cassandrith, Nothership, Patomaru, Raven Dragon, Sakarnan, Sleffer 13, Steve Irwin, Sunblaze, Tempest Dragon King, Titus and Blossom, and Vader. Thank you once again for contributing to our 7-win deck list spreadsheet, as well as posting on the Discord so everyone can see all the sweet deck lists that everyone does. I think it's a lot of fun. Okay, so um, anyway, we haven't really talked much about this format, but we've gotten over 100 deck lists, and an interesting thing is um, time is finally under 60% of our deck lists. Wow. Yeah. So even though it feels, I think, sometimes like time is still incredibly dominant, it is way, way less dominant in the decks we're receiving than it has been. Because for a while, it's at 56% right now. We've had it all the way up to 78, 79 in some of the iterations of this format. And actually, Shadow and Fire are in second, and they're both at 48%, so pretty close. Mm -hmm. um, and then Justice is in fourth at 39, and Primal, unsurprisingly, is in last place at 29% of our deck lists. Um, yeah, so the that's... other big thing of note is we are getting a lot, lot, lot more two-color decks. So we're on averaging a little over, um, it's about two to one, three color to two color decks. So we're still, obviously it's still most decks are three color, but in previous iterations of this format, most decks were three colors while, you know, we're averaging a lot less of that. We're also getting a lot more variety in the composition of decks, a lot of different decks are doing well. The color pairs that we're seeing the most of are Praxis, Fire Time. Next is Xenon, which is Time Shadow. But then there's a bunch of others, um, Fire Shadow, Combray, and Argentport are all doing pretty well too. Yeah, as far as color pairs good. that are seeing a lot of play. And then uh, the... Main interesting thing is the um, the three three color factions that are doing the best. Um, two of them are sort of the set eight supported factions, and that is FTJ Creation, as well as FTS, the uh, Sacrifice Destruction decks, which uh, have always just consistently been powerful in these formats. And then now Aurelian is doing pretty well, so that's our third highest faction which is uh, sort of a, a set five supported one, so kind of a draft pack. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Color. Yeah, I don't know exactly what that looks like as an archetype, but um, I, have come I, I have come up against... Um, I don't think it really is one, like, mechanically. You know, there's just some strong cards in the draft packs, and so you end up Aurelian. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that it's doing you know, so well, considering that Primal is not actually seeing that much play. Yeah. 
So I I haven't like really looked closely. I have a feeling it's maybe like um uh it's a zine index splashing like biting winds and stuff. Yeah, that could be. Uh I this was happening at the beginning when the when the format flipped um and I still see it happening all the time because the primal cards are so weak in the first pack. You'll see incredibly late good primal cards in packs two and three and i can imagine people sort of splashing the ones that can be splashed uh such as biting winds yeah uh, i think they'll come, the they'll come with, like last pick or whatever and it's yeah the problem with that is brood of Aramod is just as a double primal card it's just makes it so hard to make that that leap you know yeah yeah it's 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 hard. I guess. I guess it pays off if you are brave <laughs> and yeah. do that. Uh, but it is. It's a pretty hard sell. Yeah. Because sometimes when I do uh, see a lot of really strong primal cards in the first pack for, for just out of some freak coincidence, like I saw two uh, two of the six four overwhelm flyer um, in the first pack. I was like, well, that seems like a good start for a primal deck. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in primal. Didn't see any brood of Aramots in that draft. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And and the other interesting thing, I forget if we mentioned this in the last episode, but when Direwolf announced the additional cards to uh, the draft packs, they said that there would be 72 or 73 cards added. And they actually only added five less than that number. So they only added 67 or 68 cards to the draft packs. And... They also, despite adding like all of the set five displays and the set five three color commons, they didn't add those tokens. Yeah. So and our theory that is has just made me like a little nervous to ch- to still and try. You know, it just makes the pack one and pack four weird now with draft packs. Yeah, and it also seems like an oversight. Like they should have. And no one's yeah. reporting it as a bug because it's not a bug; it's an oversight. So it's uh, so they just sort of never fixed the format to where it was supposed to be. That's yeah. I mean, shame. you know, we don't really have any idea if that's what the five missing cards or the discrepancy is, but it it is weird how it's like a token shaped hole. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, um, it is hard to fix around those factions. Um, because of that like you can get that reward of if you're in creation of getting a token of creation and, and that is one of the reasons that i don't um that i don't go into the set five faction combinations that often is because i it's usually hard to get the fixing for them just a little bit harder but it's enough that i it's enough that i'm wary yeah i agree yeah. all right so that's all i kind of wanted to say about our seven win run breakdown um Usually we have a main topic that goes here. I think we covered everything we wanted to say. Did you have any other insightful thoughts on the format you wanted to talk about? Uh, not really. Uh, I I often feel like the general way that like the um you, you know the statistics of which decks are are being successful. Uh, I was just looking at the decks that I've won with in this format, they actually do kind of mirror that to some degree. Like, most of my decks that have done well have been Praxis, uh, maybe Splashing Something, or they've just been Creation. Uh, 
but they almost always have fire and time in them um and uh so to some degree that kind of reflects what you're saying about which decks people are winning with i'm i i haven't been successful at just playing straight two faction decks i've drafted them and they don't usually do well sometimes but usually not so usually i'm splashing something uh that's that's interesting because i've again i've played significantly fewer drafts than you or probably a lot of people but I, I I would say that of my successful decks, they've been about 50-50, where I've had yeah. a, a couple, you know, I had, uh, like I said, one or two really good Stone Scar decks. I've had um, a good Argentport deck, and then I've had a few good three-color decks, too, so... Hmm. Yeah, my results have been have have not been balanced that way, but there's every possibility that I'm missing how to how to do it correctly cuz I often feel a little bit weird at the end of my drafts. A lot of my winning my 7 win drafts are 7 twos and like it's the difference between getting a good matchup uh whether I get a 7 2 or like a 5 3 or a 6 3. Um, yeah. I very rarely have just a dominating deck that rolls over everyone and that's not um happening to me a lot in this format. Yeah, and that doesn't happen to me a lot at all. I actually finally just got my five seven zero <laughs> achievement this week. I never, I obviously not never. It's happened five times, but I very <laughs> rarely manage to make it through a, <laughs> a draft without getting one loss, no matter how dominant my deck feels. But um, but. Yeah, I don't know. I've been actually trying to be more disciplined and cutting like the pretty good splash card that I want to play and just sticking to the two color and have been having at least a modicum of success with that sort of disciplined approach. I don't know. You know, it's always hard to to know the counterfactual, but but yeah. All right, so shall we review a draft? Let's do it. Yeah, we wanted to highlight uh, one of um, Argo Control's drafts. They've been, now that it's a new month, uh, they they tend to jam a whole bunch of drafts till they hit Masters the first week or two of, um, of the month and then post them in Discord in the draft walkthrough channel and so we wanted to highlight one of theirs that they did kind of go old school because we used to actually review a a bunch of their drafts um back at the beginning of this podcast and it was always a fun time uh great let's do it okay open oh yeah open preview wow it worked (laughs) <laughs> okay. So pack one, pick one. Cards in contention. The rare is Cloud Snake Harrier, which is the three primal primal three three flying, and then it has plus one spell damage. I think. Yeah, it has plus one spell spell damage. Yep. Then there is the Aurelian Display, which is the three time primal justice or. Three 
time primal shadow display that just does a lot of really awesome stuff. Yeah, put an attacking unit on the bottom of uh, its owner's deck and give one of your units plus two and uh, strength and quick draw and go get it and and get any relic from your deck. It's a uh, bonkers card. Yep. There's the Magus of Celerity, which is the three Praxis 3-3 three, three with Inspire. Give uh, the unit you draw a charge, and then it has Summon Scout. And then as far as the uh, commons go, there is an Immortalize and a Hot Blood Barbarian are probably the best commons. Yeah. Uh, well, I think Cloud Snake Harrier is... Uh, I, I think it's I think it's a pretty easy pick. Really, the only thing wrong with it is is what we were just talking about. Where if you're in primal, sometimes you can have your picks dry up pretty pretty hard on you. Um, but it's definitely a very good card. Three three flyer for three is very good, and then uh, sort of having that spell damage tacked on can be um, can be really great with certain cards. Yes. Um... I agree. I think it is an easy primal. I will say primal has not dried up so much as like the good primal cards dry up pretty quickly. Yes. And then you're left with a bunch of Yeah, you bad. just sort of have to kind of hope that nobody else goes primal in your in your little virtual pod uh so you can actually get some of those cards cuz uh it can they can if there's even one other person taking primal cards ahead of you then that's it. Those were all the good primal cards for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Exactly. Um, all right, so then uh, pick two, cards in contention. There's the emblem of Lin Rai, which is the the rare emblem, and that is um, it's a primal power, and then you can decimate if you have three primal influence to get a 3-1 Aegis. Also in primal, there is a lightning storm. Uh, other Good cards. There is an Eviscerate um, in Shadow. And uh, that's about it, I think, right? Yeah, that, that is pretty much it. Uh, there's, you know, there's there's Ambush Sloth, but it is a three-color card. Uh, so there's no... I guess there's not really any reason to consider it. No, it's definitely between Lightning Storm, Eviscerate, and the Emblem. Uh, after taking a primal card, uh, you know, I would want to make primal work, but I don't think lightning storm is such a great card that I would take it here. And I, I'm not usually taking emblems this early anymore. I was back when emblems came out and I'm less enthusiastic about them now. Um, and then, uh, like we were saying earlier, eviscerate is such a unique, uh, effect now um and there are so many good targets for it that i do think it's right to take it here yes and that is actually what argo control also took but and i i agree this i would think i would take a this right here all right then we go into pack three uh cards in contention there's an island's choice which is the three huru Fast spell that negates a three-cost spell, or is that what it does? It negates a three-cost spell? Or... Uh, a, a spell that costs four or more, or it kills an attacking unit with four or more uh, okay. strength. Yeah. 
So it negates a spell that costs four or more, or kills an attacking unit that costs four or more. It's ancient. There's ancient defenses. That's the relic for four fire fire. Um, when when you summon it, it does three damage to target enemy, and then your sentinels come down with plus two strength. Uh, what else is even in this pack? There's a Varus Favor. That's the two shadow spell that does one damage. It's got life steal, uh, and then it draws a shadow sigil from your deck. But there's also a Finest Hour. Um, I think Finest Hour is the strongest card. Uh, actually, Island's Choice is a very, very strong card. Um, but it is two factions, and one of them is Primal. So <laughs> I don't take it as high as I used to. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of weird in that, like, if you do take it, you you do have a primal card, and you would be adding justice. And if you just take the finest hour, you're also adding justice. Mm-hmm. But I agree, finest hour is a very good card, and I think maybe the safe pick, especially this early in the draft. Yeah, it's a strong card. Yeah, um, just hyper efficient for what it does. And that is also what. Um, Argo Control took. So we are three for three right now. Great. All right. So pick three um, or pick four cards of contention in the uncommon slot. Uh, there is a frontline Cyclops, which is the six fire six six with uh, Reckless and Warcry. There is a Praxis banner or seat, a Praxis seat. Um, there are there's an ornamental dagger, a Vara's favor, and a hot blood barbarian. Okay. Uh, so we have we have the harrier, we have an eviscerate, and a finest hour. Yeah. Huh. Um, well, the seat doesn't overlap with our picks at all. Right. Or I would say that the seat is good, but it like the seat introduces the two factions that we don't have a card for already. So it's an inconvenient seat. I do like frontline Cyclops. Uh, it's just sort of big and it has war cry uh, uh, and reckless. Isn't really that much of a drawback on something that you want to be attacking with anyway, just a big beefy clod that does its job. Um, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't know what I would take here. Actually, um, I would look. I would probably look at Vara's favor because I do like Vara's favor, and there are a lot of things with one health in this format that it can kill, and it's a it's a good way of doing that since it replaces itself. Yeah, yeah. I definitely like Vara's favor a lot. I kind of. I have not played a draft with frontline Cyclops in this format. But man, it it's kind of attractive to me because it overperformed. I feel like in the last format it was in, it's just like you said, it's a big beefy guy. This format has even less ways to kill it. That's true. And it has a lot of combat tricks to keep it alive despite having reckless. And we do have one of those already. So if we ended up in fire justice, like good with our finest hour and we probably pick up more combat tricks so that's fair yeah that's what's making it uh, i think 
sl- slightly more attractive to me. Um, yeah, uh, I yeah, I mean, it's a fi- it's fine, it's a fine card. The only reason that I would be that I wouldn't be excited about it is that it's not too hard to come up with things that cost six and attack in fire. <sighs> is that true? In set eight, you get your uh, you get your five four with exalted. Uh, it's not quite as big, but it is it's pretty difficult to deal with. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then no matter what color you're in, I guess there's other big units. Uh, but it, I mean, you know, it's not entirely replaceable. It's uh, it's it, tangles I, with Beach Boy. It yeah, it's it's. I would rather play Beach Boy than Cyclops. Yeah, no, if that's... I ended up in Praxis for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think I would take Cyclops here. I don't know, but I know, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm uh, I'm just saying that I probably would still take Bar's favor here. I think, um, but I'm not yeah. sure that that's necessarily correct. Yeah, I don't know. I, my current deck actually has three Bar's favors in it, which that might be too many Bar's favors. I know. That's what I thought. It has done so much work in my first two games. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's really, it's been like shockingly overperforming. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, this is something that we've talked about before where um, like cards like, uh, like Inferno Zealot, like sort of big units that, uh, that are that that feel kind of safe to play even though they have just one health because there's not very many people playing things that can do one damage uh if you have something that does one damage boy those cards don't look so good anymore <laughs> it's one of the reasons hot blood barbarian is ha- is a halfway decent card is sometimes like sometimes it's just a two one but with reckless uh or rather um with berserk that uh uh and and it's just like yeah, it's just my two drop. But occasionally you just ice some huge thing that was going to kill you with it, um, just incidentally because you had a spare sigil that you could throw out, and then it gives Warcry the next thing on your deck. And ah, great! So it's similar to Far's favor in that sense. Yeah, man. I think whether to create a temper on turn two is like one of the hardest decisions. I feel like. it is. It's difficult. Um, I agree with that. That's uh, it's a very skill testing card, a hot blood barbarian. You'd think it would be very straightforward, but no. <laughs> yeah. I like to save them. I like one of my favorite things is having two two drops in my hand. One of them is hot blood barbarian because then I can play the other two drop and breathe a sigh of relief. And then on turn three, I have the option of playing hot blood barbarian and temper, uh, and I don't have to make that decision yet. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. All right, so uh, I took frontline Cyclops. Argo Control took frontline Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Um, Hats took Vara's favor here, and yeah. so we had a long discussion. So as a reminder, in our pool we have a Cloud Snake Harrier, we have an Eviscerate and a Finest Hour and a Hot Blood Bar or and a frontline Cyclops. Yeah, going into pick five, cards of contention. There is once again another frontline Cyclops. There's a Horde Leader, which is the 5 Fire 3 3. Um, when Horde Leader attacks, all your other units get plus one attack for the turn. And Renown play a Barbarian Camp. There's a Cobalt Acolyte, which is the Primal Acolyte that gives another unit flying. And I think those are 
probably the three cards of contention. Yeah, uh, I mean that's there's there's sort of a lot of fire in this pack, uh, but it's a little it's still only pick five, so it's not really early enough to call that a signal exactly. Um, Cobalt Acolyte is good, uh, especially if we have a, if we have that frontline Cyclops. Uh, the only time that I don't like Cobalt Acolyte is when most of the ways I'm going to win the game already have flying, and then it just sort of feels like a two one for three. <laughs> that has flying itself, and then I'm not excited about it. Um, but being able to attack in the air with something that normally can't attack in the air, uh, and then it gets that ability permanently, uh, is pretty good. All of the Acolytes are good, and Cobalt Acolyte's great. And again, the only reason that I wouldn't want it is, in, is that uh, it's Primal, but we already have a really good Primal card, and you don't need that many good Primal cards to justify playing the color. It's just that sometimes you don't even get that many. So yeah, I would take Cobalt Acolyte here. Yeah, I I agree. I think Cobalt Backlight is the best card in the vacuum. And you can probably get stuffed up on Fire 6 Drop, so you probably don't mm-hmm. want to take a, a second Fire 6 Drop, but... Yeah, it's a it's pr- like yeah. pick five is pretty early in the draft to say, well, I've got all of my finishers. <laughs> I got my two six. I got my two six sixes with Warcry, uh, and that's it. I don't need any more expensive cards forever. Uh, it's yeah, it's early to have that part of your deck all locked up. Yes, um, and so Argo Control agreed with you and took the Cobalt Acolyte. Yeah. All right, so then pick six cards of contention. There's a, um, in fire, there's once again a bunch of fire cards. There's a Hotblood Barbarian. There's a Living Mountain. There's a Rampage. There are no shadow cards. Uh, Injustice, all there is is a Crowd Queller, which is not great. Um, in Primal, there's a Sky Snapper. And in Time, there is a Cult Recruiter which is the four time time three three ambush okay so for me all this is living mountain all the way uh i like that card in this format and uh part of it is just sort of like that there's a lot of two drops with the abilities like we were uh like we were saying like berserk and double damage and stuff that uh that that can really get a good hit in if you get if you if you living mountain them um, there is a Hot Blood Barbarian here and a Rampage. Both of those are fine cards. Uh, but I feel like you can get enough two drops. And so Hot Blood Barbarian isn't like a, ever a priority for me to pick up. It's just sort of a filler card for me. Rampage is fine, but uh, somehow it's been underperforming for me. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, I know it does something similar to Living Mountain, but it's like Living Mountain is kind of a rampage on a stick, you know? Like you don't get the surprise factor, but your opponent does have to deal with getting attacked by something that they weren't expecting to get attacked by. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm leaning. This may be this may reveal that I'm looking at the format incorrectly, that I'm taking Living Mountain over Rampage, but uh, I, I think it's correct. Yeah, I think the one problem, it's like the same thing where you're like, well, I don't know. You know, we avoided a six drop last her last pick, and then like to take a five drop, even though it's a very sure. good five drop, feels like our fire deck is starting a little expensive. That's true. Um, That's a fair point. 
I don't think that taking Rampage or Hoplite Barbarian solves that problem, though. Yeah. Like, it, it gives you a two-drop, but Hoplite Barbarian isn't, like, isn't really a, a good two-drop, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's, like, you don't want to play it on two. Uh, it's not a strong tempo play on two. You want to play it later so that you're putting down a threat and also maybe killing something of your opponents post-combat or something like that. It's not, uh... Yeah, you know it doesn't solve the problem that your fire deck is too expensive by itself. It doesn't yeah. even start solving it. Yeah, no, I agree. I just it's like one of those things where I like want a living mountain in my deck. I just don't want to pick it. Fifth. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I guess I don't even mind picking it fifth. I don't know. the The one thing I will say in Rampage's favor is, of all the cards to put Rampage on, Frontline Cyclops is like probably pretty high on that list. Yeah, giving it overwhelm is good. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, but also playing it and then playing a living mountain on it gives your opponent a problem that they're not going to probably be able to solve that turn. Yeah. So. No, I agree. Um, interestingly, Argo Control took Sky Snapper here. Oh. Um, and oh, I think yeah. you know they mentioned that it's because they're they felt like their two best cards were the Cobalt Acolyte. And the Cloud Snake Harrier. Uh huh. Um, and so they just wanted to take the Primal card. But this is kind of a, a pick I disagree with, obviously, um, since we were talking about the fire cards. And I think what you said just a few moments ago really spoke to it, where you're like, oh, Cobalt Acolyte? Like, if all of your good. I, I don't know. It's like. If all your good primal cards have flying, what's Cobalt Acolyte doing? And if you have a Cobalt Acolyte, like I don't know, when do you, do you really need a crappy flyer in your deck? I don't, I don't know. No, yeah, that's the thing about I, like Sky Snapper is uh, like I have I I don't always like playing Burning Core Drake because even though because which is basically a, a harder to a harder to cast sky snapper but at least it has a huge upside if it goes unanswered sky snapper doesn't it just does damage in the air hopefully until it wins um and and it's there's so many ways to answer a sky snapper including humbug nest and just like a platinum cure and just cards that people are just going to be playing um I, just, I don't think it's in a good position in this format because you can't yeah. stop you can't you have no choice it's going to attack yeah, I agree. So that card isn't really on my radar for this. And also, if Primal's open, I mean, you're going to get crappy cards like Sky Snapper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll get enough of those if you want them. All right. And so Argo Control took Sky Snapper. I think we would probably settle on Living Mountain. Um, yeah. I can for me, Rampage right. being a close second. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't um, fault anyone for taking Rampage there. All right, so then uh, pick seven, Cards of Contention. Um, fire kind of dried up a little bit in this pack. There's a Pit Fighter, which is the five fire four three. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a Sizzleback oh. Salamander. It's got to be bigger than that. It's a six three. Like the... Is it a six? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so there's Pit Fighter, which is the 5 Fire 6 3. There's a Sizzleback Salamander. Um, in Primal, the only card is Reverberating Strike, 
then in time there is a horned warlunk and a on egg, and then in justice there's a loyal watchwing. Okay. I mean, I think the best card here is horned warlunk, but we don't have any time cards so far, right? So we do not have any time cards. That is the one color we don't have anything. It of. Would be a weird. It would be a weird time to move into time. Horned Vorlunk isn't like the card that you play time for. It's just sort of the best card in this pack. It, I think I agree with you. Well, I guess I would just take Horned Vorlunk out of this pack. I know you're moving into a fifth color, but you're not missing out on much. And like, yeah. you're not taking Reverberating Strike here. And also, you know, if you think to Argo Control's deck, they also don't have the Living Mountain. So, like, the, these fire cards are not very exciting to take as your no. second fire card either. And, like, and then the Justice card, Loyal Watchwing, your only Justice card is Finest Hour, which you're fine splashing. So, like, for me, that just, like, leaves Horned Vorlunk as just, like, a totally playable four drop. I'm... Uh, I, I that was my first impulse, but thinking more about it, I think I would take Reverberating Strike anyway, uh, because there is still the possibility that you pick up a touch of battle or two, and then you have this unbelievable combo in your deck, uh, and you can't know that that's going to happen because of the way the packs are arranged. Usually you were able to pick up touch of battle, and I was like, oh, I hope I get a Reverberating Strike. Uh, but now you have to pick up the reverberating strikes on spec and then uh, <laughs> hope to get a touch of battle. Um, and I think the payoff for that potentially, because you're not going to be playing any of these cards, uh, but the only one that it has it, that is one half of a potentially broken combo is reverberating strikes. So I think I would just pick that up. Huh. That's it. Yeah, I'm not... You, this is, once again, this is one of these... That whole combo thing is just way too, <laughs> way too cute for me. I mean... And, there are cute combos, and then there's combos that wipe your opponent's board. <laughs> and that's what the reverberating strike combo is. I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Horned Vorlunk has never done me wrong. That's, that's fair. That's all I can say about that card. <laughs> so this is more about Horned Vorlunk than reverberating strike, really. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, we'll do one more pick in this pack. and Okay, uh, what did Argo Control do here? They actually took the Loyal Watchwing. Okay. Um, and I think they wanted to avoid Reverberating Strike, and then they liked Finest Hour over Frontline Cyclops. So instead of taking Sizzleback Salamander, they took Loyal Watchwing, and they were more nervous than I am about taking a fifth color. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting... Um, divergence there too all right then pick eight uh cards in contention there is the ornamental dagger there is a what is it a coastal curator the four justice four four that can't do anything um <laughs> there's a mithril mace and there is an enraged arachidon which is the seven primal primal six six uh uh-huh. berserk yeah, okay. Uh, uh, so the one that you... Uh, I, I, would, I would take Curator, probably. I think Curator's <laughs> a good card. Um, 
curator's ability is that it can't attack unless you cast a spell, unless you cast a spell that turn. But we use ability uh, in air quotes there. Yeah, its ability is that it is doesn't want to fight. Um, it's 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 got a pacifist ability. Uh, it's just sort of a it's just sort of big. Um, so if you're this, it, like especially if I'm play, if I'm uh, like if I'm thinking I'm probably going to play primal. Then I'm going to want big, efficient blockers on the ground, and Curator is that. Uh, that's what it does the best. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally it can get an attack or two through um, if you plan it out. But uh, but it's sort of like, I, mean, I, I don't know, it's one of the best defensive creatures. Uh, so if you're planning to attack in the air, uh, it's pretty good that way. Uh, and I'm not excited about the other cards. Enraged Arachnidon is a 6-6 you know, six, six Berserk for 7, and I usually cut it from every deck, no matter whether I'm playing Primal or not, because usually I end up with better 7 drops, frankly. Yeah, I I agree. Um, in, uh, they actually took Enraged Arachnidon, I think because it seems really cute with um, Cobalt Acolyte. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I would describe as a cute combo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I know people are like a lot higher on um, the coastal curator than I am. I think I would have leaned towards the mace or sure, sure. mace here if I were in um, if I were in Argo Control's position. I think I would have followed up a horned warlunk with ornamental dagger if if I was drafting in in my world. Yeah, we've got like three different deck lists going now, so it's a little complicated to discuss. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. I only mentioned that because it was the last pick, but um, right. yeah, yeah. No, uh, and, and and if I'm in time, then I'd probably just take ornamental daggers here. Um, I think there's some contention about whether ornamental daggers is a good card. Like I've seen people surprised that I would even consider it, consider putting it in my deck on stream. But to me, it's such a versatile little weapon because you can. You can just put you can you can make your units just big enough to attack, and then still have the other half of the card in hand that you can throw on a flyer later or something. It usually feels pretty good if your deck is at all aggressive. If it's not, if you're playing just like a bunch of big units um, and trying to play a longer game, then daggers doesn't feel very good. But if you're like, you know, if you put down like a magnificent stranger on two, and then somebody puts down a three three, and then you're like, oh, I can just use half of my daggers to keep attacking that's great yeah no i ornamental daggers on magnificent stranger just always feels really bad when your opponent does that oh yeah you're like, oh, it's really and strong. then you're like okay i can't my my four four is not going to do anything either yeah yeah <laughs> like, there's no there's no single card i can use to to block that, I guess we're gonna be trading a lot. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And but then it's also, also a weird card because, like, as you can just see, see the fact that this is eighth pick. You know, you do see these also very oddly late, um, because um, you know Argo Control took the Enraged Arachnidon, but they still ended up with an Ornamental Daggers in their pool after pack one um oh yeah what else did they pick up here let's see ornamental daggers uh i guess nothing else exciting 
Renegade, Renegade, Renegade Valkyrie is worth mentioning, though. Yeah. And yeah, so they picked, they picked up a Renegade Valkyrie, and then the other cards in their pool, more or less, were the ones that we discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, they also picked up a Combust Fleet, and I, as I said, an Ornamental Dagger. All right, and then we'll just do a few picks from Pack 2. Uh, so Pack 2, Pick 1, Cards of Contention. There is... Um, a Blazing Salvo in Fire, which is the one fire deal two damage to a unit and two damage to yourself, and you get to market a two-cost spell. There is um, everyone's favorite Dark Betrayal. Mm-hmm. There, There is a Majestic Skies. There's a Mag Stranger and a Biting Winds. All right, so... I, so are we like we're discussing this pick based on what Argo Control has done up until the, up to this point, right? I think so. Yes. Okay. So they've really only got two good primal cards: Cobalt Acolyte and Cloud Snake Harrier. Yes. Their only time card is Ornamental Dagger. Well, yeah. The um. The deck is kind of all over the place right now, uh, so I, f- I feel like anything is up for grabs in this pack. Uh, and with a couple of flyers, I think I might be leaning towards Majestic Skies here. If there were, if if we had more fire cards, then I would just snap up that Blazing Salvo. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm not convinced that we're going to be playing fire at all, and I don't think splashing for Blazing Salvo is 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 super great. Um, it's sort of a card that I want to play early, so I guess I would I guess I would be looking at Majestic Skies here probably, and and that's a little bit of a pick that's on spec too, because maybe uh, maybe we don't end up with enough flyers to make it good. Um, Majestic Skies has been a bit of a trap card for me in the past because then sometimes I end up with a deck that doesn't have enough flyers to make it awesome. But it's such a good card when it does work that um, if I'm in a draft without a clear direction like this one, I think I would consider it first. Yeah, this is a thing that I've been thinking about a, a bit recently is I wonder, for me, like I've been a lot less excited about Majestic Skies recently, and I I've thinking about it i thought one of the reasons is because like we talked in the last episode a lot of the big flyers have disappeared and so it's just like because what you could you you used to be able to do is just like use it as a tutor target for your like game ending flyer yeah so even if you didn't have quite the density of flyers you wanted you would still put it in your deck and that is less true now i think yeah, I think that's true, and I think that's probably a good enough point that I wouldn't want to take it here. Because really, getting Sky Horror Draconis was like uh, getting a second copy of it right when you want to be able to cast the thing next turn. That's one of the best things about it. I still think it's a good card in the right deck, but you're right; it doesn't that its secondary function isn't as strong as it used to be, uh, since they completely took the large flyers away from Primal for some reason. Yeah. Uh. So I don't know for my second choice. I think since I'm uh, since my strongest faction is is primal, still I'd probably just take fighting wins. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think in this deck I would probably take biting wins. I actually, the more I look at it, I do kind of like it, like majestic skies, and think maybe because you don't have a direction, maybe 
maybe you just give it a chance. But, you know, like you said, I don't know. That's hard to know. They actually took Magnificent Stranger here. Okay. Um, I think maybe just thinking it's the the best card in the pack. Um, uh, I mean, I think that's debatable. I mean, as good as Mag Stranger is, I'd probably still take Blazing Salvo over it. But uh, They also don't have a two-drop yet. I don't yeah, know. that's true. Uh, it is a two drop, and it's one of the best two drops, so um, that makes sense. Uh, I usually don't have trouble coming up with enough two drops in this format, but maybe if I'm in Primal, it might be a little bit more difficult because Primal doesn't have as the, their two drops aren't quite as strong as in the other factions. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> this is a spoiler alert, um, and we don't actually see them in any of these picks, but they end up with five book club yetis. Well, there you go. <laughs> but um all right so then pick two cards of contention there is a jade horn which is the three justice justice three three with uh war cry and pledge and then you gain three armor and sometimes get to attack twice if you're the luckiest person in the world uh-huh. there is a water conjuring which is the three primal primal stun to enemy units fast spell with invoke primal decimate invoke primal there's another biting winds there's a fury blade there is a interloper and a humbug nest i think are the cards in contention here okay uh easy water conjuring i think it's uh one of the best cards in limited (laughs) and we're in primal so probably go with that yeah Uh, yeah water conjuring wins games I agree. I like water conjuring here. Um, I have been. I have. I have gotten clutch of talons off of a water conjuring more times than I want to count. It is. It is like almost. It feels like when my opponent plays water conjuring, that clutch of talons is almost a guarantee for them. Oh. Oh, your opponent does. Yeah, I've done it too, though. Yeah. So maybe it's just something. <laughs> maybe it's a bug with the card. It's like yeah, I don't know. It's I just, got um water conjuring. Draw free clutch of talons. Ugh. Yeah. I got the mirror a couple times in a row, which was kind of fun. Water conjuring mirror? Water conjuring and then getting the quicksilver mirror, so I just like kept oh, playing. That's fun. I've done that once. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, once you've got a quicksilver mirror down, you're winning that game if your opponent can't kill you real fast. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then pick three uh, cards in contention. Um, there's a Keeper's Shield, uh, the 3 Rakano 3-1, Spellcraft 4, play a Reinforce, or Spellcraft 3, play a Reinforce. There's a Two-Face, which is the Two-Shadow 2-1 with Deadly that mills a card. Mm-hmm. Um, in Primal, the only two cards are Linrise Kiss and... What's that card? The Rune, Rune Marker. Yeah, Ruin Marker. There is a Sky King Storyteller and a Dive Bomb in Justice. Um, yeah, and so I think those. there's also uh, the Zell, the Five Fire 8-1 with Overwhelm and Pledge. Okay. Uh, well, I don't think this is an easy pick. There, I think the two strongest cards are Keeper's Shield and Two-Face. 
But I would be wary about moving it to Shadow considering how hard it was cut in pack one. Uh, that yes. doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be cut in this pack, but it means <sighs> that you're not going to get any support for it in the last pack, probably. I mean, weird things happen all the time. But you're probably not going to. And, and what with the lack of good primal cards, um, if you try to play Felm, like maybe you just don't get any cards in pack four at all, uh, which would be sad. Yeah, um, but we do have an eviscerate, which is also one of our best cards. So I guess there's some justification for picking up two face here, and there's almost no justification for trying to play a keeper shield in a deck that's trying to play uh, double influence primal cards already, because that's a that's a real hard that's that it's hard to fix that. There's, the cards are not there to to fix that influence. <laughs> they <Yeah>. don't exist. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. There's nothing else that really stands out to me here, though. Like, I guess you could pick up a Precision Plunge because you're going to get some flyers, but it's not great on any of the flyers that we have. Inferno Zealot is a playable card, uh, but I don't think that... I don't think Argo Control has any other fire cards except for the, uh, except for the Frontline Cyclops at this point. Yeah, and the Renegade Valkyrie. Yeah. The Renegade Valkyrie, yeah. Um it's a bit of a yeah. It's a bit of a stretch. I don't like Rune Marker even when I'm playing Primal. It's just a most of the time it's just a two four and it's uh, it's a boon for your opponent when you play it. And uh, yeah, I guess kind of the best cards here otherwise are just ju um, Justice cards. And let's see, what do we have in Justice at this point? We've got finest a loyal Watchwing and a Finest Hour basically, so not much. Uh, I guess it's hard. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to be happy about this pick uh, anyway, but I guess I, I guess I would end up taking the two face, um, and then hope that I don't have to play Shadow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, what Argo Control did too. They took the two face here. Um, all right, and then next, this is uh, pick four, pack two, uh, cards of contention. There's an Earth Conjuring, which is the Time Conjuring. There is the um, the two cost two one Aegis unseen that gives a random battle skill to an unseen lady. Um, there is a brood of Aramot and a precision plunge, and then in justice there is the um, the two cost stranger the one three. And yeah. I think for this deck, this is a pretty easy brood of Aramot. Yeah, I think so. Uh, like it's it's kind of a clunky deck at this point because it's all like three drops, and then now we got a four drop and stuff. But still, Brood of Aramod is a good card. Yes, and yeah, and we're still not really sure what we're what our second faction. You know, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Brood of Aramod will almost certainly play well. Uh, like anything else we take here might might have to get cut. In the end, so. Yeah. All right. And then next, um, cards in contention. There is a display of purpose, which is the uh, Justice Primal Shadow display, which gives plus one, plus one, and exalted. It steals a three or less cost relic, and it does something else, supposedly. There is a Fury Blade. There is a Steely Stranger, and there's a Triumphant Return. Display of Purpose does seven damage to your opponent's unit that they played. This oh, yeah, right, at fast speed. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, somehow that never seems to come up in limited, but you'd think it would. Um, yeah, so this this feels like the point where you just sort of have to cross your fingers and hope to some degree. Because we're seeing a lot of, we're seeing like these steely strangers, which indicates that maybe Justice would be a good faction to be in. Uh, yeah. But Triumphant Return is is sort of a better card in a vacuum. Um, but like this is the point in a draft where I'm like, mm, if I take a Triumphant Return here, my deck is super clunky. Like there's no one or two drop to get back with a triumphant return, which is the sort of thing I like to get back with a triumphant return. So I'm not like spending one turn getting my unit back, the next turn playing it, hoping my opponent isn't doing anything all the time while I'm dirtling around with my void. However, it is the best card, and I guess we've got a two-face at this point, which is a good target for it. So I guess I just take the triumphant return and just hope that the that I'm I shouldn't be in justice, you know? Like, because uh, like it feels like the pack is telling me you should be in justice, but also there's a triumphant return here, and it's a trap for you. You want to take it? You want to? You want to gamble your your draft on this trap? I'd probably just take the triumphant return and hope that that's not what's happening. Huh? Yeah, that's interesting. I think I like follow your logic perfectly, and that leads me to Steely Stranger. Yeah, yeah. Because the triumphant return just feels like a trap. Yeah. And we know we got no good shot. Like yeah. Shadow was super exactly. cut in pack one. Yeah, yeah. So it probably is a trap. So it's probably better to take Steely Strangers. This would be like the second one in a row. Yeah. So I think that's fair. I think and it would we be need fair to just drops, say, you know what just I mean? Say, yeah, we need two drops. Steely Strangers playable. Yeah. Yeah, it could be absolutely right. Um, yeah. So that's what I would have taken. Um, Argo Control agreed with you. They took the triumphant return here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this final pick that we're going to review is just kind of interesting. Um, so this is pick six, pack two, cards of contention. There's a Nahid's Distillation. Um, in Shadow, there's the... Is that a spore spitter? Is that what it's called? It is a spore spitter. Yeah, there's the spore spitter, and a just in case anyone's wondering, these and... are these screenshots are small and blurry, and so we can't always read the cards. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually impressed with how well we're doing. Um, oh, we're doing great. In justice, there's the um, the three three the plate mail, and in snare and in fire, there's a zealot. Yeah. Um, and there's also actually a token of menace, which would fix for fire, primal, and shadow. Yeah. Uh, let's see. With the deck that we have, because Argo Control took the triumphant return, we've got sort of a felony thing going here. I think if we were in Justice, maybe we'd look at plate mail. Probably not in Snare, because we've got a bunch of flyers, and usually you don't need in Snare if you've got flyers yourself. But... Since there's not really a strong shadow card for us here, um, I mean, Nahid's Distillation is a good card, but we would almost certainly be splashing for it here, which is a little weird and maybe unnecessary. There's other ways to draw cards. Uh, It's just sort of, I mean, it's just sort of generally strong. Like, what I, I don't, the weird thing about it for me is 
on my turn five, I don't want to, I don't want to exhaust my brood of Aramot to draw cards with it. I want to attack with it. <laughs> you know, I want to attack with my flyers, please. Uh, uh, so I'm not, for some reason, I'm not drawn towards the distillation, but there's not really anything else good in the pack either, unless I wanted to pick up the token, which would help with what uh, we are doing currently and might yeah. help us splash. Like, there are fire cards that you can splash sometimes. I'm not sure what they are right now, but... Um, yeah, I might, pick up, I might pick up the token here. Yeah. Yeah, what's interesting with this Nahid's distillation, right, is I feel like all the arguments you used last pick for Triumphant Return can be used for Nahid's distillation here. Yeah, except we don't really have any other time cards at this point, right? We, we have, just have uh, Mag Stranger. We but just in, have Mag Stranger, yeah. But in Shadow, we just have Eviscerate in in otherwise totally cut-off color. And Eviscerate is double Shadow. So it's not like we're done with right. Splash and Eviscerate. Right. While, you know, Nihie's Distillation is just as likely to be a signal that we, we are going to be getting time cards... That's true. Uh, I mean, we haven't seen much in time up until now in this pack. No, I, I agree. <laughs> and we have seen a couple of shadow cards, like Two Face, Follow, and then Triumph and Return is sort of like, well, maybe there will be some shadow cards. Uh, I, I, I mean, this is uh, this is part of the frustration that I've been having lately because I try to make these calls, and when I when I feel like I'm being responsible and reading signals in the first pack. Um, and saying, you know what, Shadow is totally cut off, uh, and then pack, and then I'll get around to pack four, and somehow it won't be. <laughs> and I mean, like, I don't know what those people were doing pack one, taking all of the Shadow cards and now not taking any of them. But I can't play these cards now because I've already decided on what the uh, colors I'm playing. So, um, so I've come to not trust my own instincts as much as I was able to before, and I think that's part of why I've been having such a tough time. Mm -hmm. uh, Anyway, um, I don't think token is so powerful. Like, I, I, distillation will be really good if we end up playing time. So you could easily convince me to just take it, and and maybe it doesn't get played. But if it does, then you know it draws three cards. It's fine. Yeah, no, I I mean I do like I like the token. I I don't think the token's a a bad pick. I think it's maybe even the responsible pick. Argo Control did take the distillation. Mm -hmm. I think I would probably take the token here but i'm not sure if that's right especially if you're the type of person that took the triumphant return last pick mm -hmm. um, well it'll help with that decision uh because one of the things about the primal that we have is that it is, requires double influence and so it's actually already a difficult deck to play yeah uh, so anything that can help with that is probably good i don't like tokens in general though so it would really be just sort of like taking it as an option to uh, if we don't ever get any better fixing. But since yeah. we won't get any better fixing, because there's, there's not a lot of fixing anymore. Yeah, and, you know, our two all our best cards are double influence in Primal yeah. and Shadow. So, I don't right. know, I think the token's a good pick here. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right. And then, um, so that's all we're reviewing today. He ended up in a, a crazy deck. Um <laughs> Uh, like I said, uh, they have five book club yetis, two nesting ravens. You know, I think kind of what you could even see in the picks that we went over, 
Shadow was not very open. Right. Um, you know, the, the only other real cards, they, I mean, they got, I think, lucky. Uh, they opened an Aura Piercer. They picked up a Dark Mask Stalker. Uh-huh. But then in pack four, they picked up a second Triumphant Return. But in pack four, the only Shadow card they really picked up were two Consuming Greeds with almost no synergy with them. I think they're playing them more or less just as a four-cost 2-1 flyer. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that. Which feels pretty bad. Because they have two Tainted Marks, but that is not the card you want to be sacrificing with Consuming Greed, especially if you have five Book Club Yetis. No, yeah, you want to leave... I mean, yeah, it is a weird deck. Um... Probably won some games off of that Aura Piercer. But... Yeah. And probably, you know, <laughs> you know, this is a deck you really are hoping to hit your enraged rack done with a Cobalt Accolade, I think. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just have to have to go for the big crazy combo, um, knowing that it's not likely to always always happen. Yeah. Wow, two two wisdom of the elders, too. Well, that's, I mean, two Tainted Marks and two Wisdom of the Elders is probably more card draw than you need in your typical limited deck. Yeah, I agree. They do have a couple interesting cards that they passed up um, that we kind of discussed in the Discord. Like, they do have... Um, oh, jeez. The, the two Primal 2-1 Looter. Mm-hmm. Um, that they could play. They also have uh, the Shadow... Oh, God, what what are they called? Not the Emblems. What's that other... What's the other... The cycle where you hate on your enemy colors? So the, the Shadow one... Gives a unit unblockable and then kills a time or justice card. Oh, the edicts. Yeah. Yeah, the edict. They also have a shadow edict that they picked up. Oh, and they um, didn't play it? I would play that. Yeah, they are not currently playing it. Oh, um, in a heartbeat, I would play that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it deals with a lot of the pro- It's one of the cards that deals with a lot of the problems that I was talking about earlier. Is It, it, it takes out those giant time units that you're going to run into essentially every game. <laughs> yeah. So I think those would be two, two suge- suggestions. I would probably take out a Consuming Greed for the looter. Yeah. Um, sure. And then take out probably a Wisdom of the Elders for uh, the Edict of Makar. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but I think this is a case where it's uh, like a little you have to um I I've 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 struggled to come up with the an appropriate metaphor for what it feels like when you're reading signals well um and kind of reading the packs and getting in your lane so that you get those like uh crispy late gifts, you know, like uh you know someone'll pack you with pass you a third pick or a piercer and then you were like i knew it i knew shadow was open that kind of thing um uh, uh it's it's like seeing the it's like seeing the invisible ink on the page or something you know with your heat vision it's like it feels like a superpower when it's working uh and here it does feel a little bit like there was like the packs are saying you should play justice 
in the second pack and there's not a great time to go into it you know like there's a water conjuring at the time when a jade horn was offered and like there's a two-face at a time when there's a dive bomb offered you know there's always a slightly better pick with what you currently have but then you just watch all the good justice cards slowly pass you by and uh i think that's part of what makes that's that's part of what makes a great drafter is they they have a really good sense for when to switch when they're like the packs are telling me something that I'm frittering away with my individual picks here and it's time to take the leap and just start taking uh, Steely Strangers, you know? Like about the time when you said, hey, I, I would take a Steely Stranger. Like that's that's a decision that might have paid off because I can't see the rest of the, the picks. Uh, and, and I don't know whether Huru would have been a better thing to be in in the long run, but it does feel that way. And sometimes those feelings are a result of your brain having done all of the necessary alchemy. Um, and uh, and letting you know that um, that this is the result that you should be, yeah and you should be paying attention to your instincts and it's always easier to like make these and these diagnosis and analysis with you know twenty twenty hindsight like yeah. you know it's easy to look at this final deck list and be like told you you should have been injustice but, sure oh yeah of course but um. But yeah, I don't know. I thought that was kind of an interesting pick that, you know, I think a lot of it we agreed with. There are a few picks that, you know, we disagreed with. And it's always interesting to just think about, like, with just like one or two different picks, you can end up with a totally different deck in the end. Um, So I thought that was kind of a pretty instructional or, you know, a pretty interesting draft to review. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. With some challenging, challenging, challenging picks. Um, I think we're going to end our show here. Um, yeah, so we're going to end our show here. So that is our show. So once again, thanks to all our patrons for helping make this show a success and keeping us motivated to keep on doing this. For those of you who are not patrons, you can give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You can join us in our Discord. There's a link in the show notes as well as any Reddit as well as the Reddit post. And finally, speaking of Reddit, give a thumbs up and leave a comment on any Reddit posts about the show that Raven Dragon um, kindly posts for us every week. Uh, I think it really helps get the word out um, and lets people know about the show. And don't forget to send in all your seven win deck lists you do this week, and you will definitely get your name read out next week in. Um, I think our next week titled a list of names of the last four weeks. That'll be our main topic. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, that'll be our main topic. And remember to keep on farming. Have a good night. Have a good night. Goodbye.